0: Welcome to the 28th meeting of Junto Club. On this episode, we talk about industries that can benefit from robots, businesses that are working to address those needs, and where Shu might be able to jump in with his own company. For any questions, comments, or if you'd like to rant on something important to you, email Junto at gmail.com. This is Junto Club.
1: Club. Welcome to the 28th meeting of the Junto Club, where we are inspired by an original Junto Club founded by Benjamin Franklin about 300 years ago to discuss topics such as science, technology, politics, and business. So today's topic, we're going to go into the uh, business of robotics, mostly focused on the startup of uh, robotic startups. And um, of course, the main the main purpose of this really this episode is for for me to figure out for me for with the help of Dr Mike Peternati and Matthew O'Brien to help me figure out what startup what robotic company I should start personally so it's based mostly for personal interest <laughs> so yeah so let's before we get into the robotic business stuff so let's go into we usually start with a quote from Benjamin. Franklin, and today's quote is, quote, In rivers and bad governments, the lightest things swim and, swing and top, end quote.
0: Mm. Any thoughts, guys? I'm just going to the document to look up exactly what it is. In rivers and bad governments, the lightest things swim to the top.
2: I think it's, you know how easy stuff gets passed by Congress, and then, like, the serious, difficult things get ignored or aren't dealt with Mm
1: -hmm. okay
2: this is it you know it's it's kind of Hmm. it's analogous to like the flow of least resistance just what's easy gets done gets taken care of and then what's hard maybe more important doesn't that's what i think it means no Hmm. i think that's a good one
0: okay is that is that your interpretation mike as well yeah yeah i mean i think that makes a lot of sense but basically, sort of the light, fluffy stuff gets sort of the light, fluffy. is another way of saying easy. So, yeah. Ah,
1: okay, okay, okay.
0: Yeah. He also means I think you feel like
1: the lightest thing could be just like focusing on short term stuff as well, right? So, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think your, I guess my yeah my thought is maybe short term stuff. But I think your interpretation is 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 correct. It's not just easiest things that get done first. Yeah. So okay. All right. Another question. I guess, so last week Matt had been saying that the quote from Benjamin Franklin had been, the quality of quote had been going down, down the drain. So what do you think about today's quote?
2: Uh, it was, well, it wasn't as, uh, decipher or some of the other ones have gotten a little weird <laughs> where I really don't know. I don't think any of us really knew what they were trying to mean, mm-hmm. uh, this one was straightforward, at least. But was it interesting or insightful? I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Fair.
1: Yeah. For me, the reason I pick it because I, I guess I, I was a little bit confused. I, I'm not sure. And I, 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 usually the way I pick it is usually sometimes I don't know what it means. So that's mm. why I, I confuse me. And sometimes if I like no code, I'll bring it up. So anyway, that's my simple process of filtering it. <laughs> mm. All right. So. So regarding like mental models about decision-making, right? Last week, I started talking about like how to make decisions and using mental models. And this, I think this week for me, I came across a very simple question to ask yourself before you're making a decision. And the question is, quote, is this going to make the future easier or harder, end quote. What do you think of that question? Like for example, now like when you try to make a decision, maybe when you are I don't know, in a grocery store or something you you want to, you know, grab a coke or something, right? You can ask yourself is this
0: going make the future easier or harder, right? So, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's useful, but I, like I I mean, I, well, it's a good question, but it it's too high level. What right? do you mean? like, I mean, is this going to make the future easier or harder? I mean, it doesn't mm. give any type of indication of, like, like the time scale you're, lo- like, what is the future? Right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. grabbing a, like, okay, yeah, if you're, like, say you've had, like, no calories today, yeah. and, you know, you're sort of, like, a little bit dehydrated, and, you know, oh, it's like, I want to co- like, I need a Coke, or I need something to, like, quench my thirst. It's like, you know, I mean, that's not a big deal, but I, I, I'm trying to use that example. But like, it's a good question in the sense of like, should I study hard in school? Yeah. Is this going to make the future easier or harder? Well, the first 30 years of your life harder.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. But hopefully
0: <laughs> if you live beyond that, then it's going to be probably make it easier. Right. hmm. Most people uh, aren't in school for 30 years, Mike. Well, well uh, the three of us were, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm reading the room, but mm. uh, but I guess basically... Uh, like, so if it's a question like that, like, is, you know, is studying hard going to, like, make your life easier or harder? Probably easier, like, mm. or, you know, but that is assuming, you know, you're going to live a long time. I mean... I guess it's not necessarily – like, I feel like there's a lot more that goes into thinking – like, you know, a lot more goes into defining what is the future in the particular context.
1: Yeah, it's very personal. All right. What about you, Matt? So I think it's a good thing. It's it's a decent
2: question to ask because, you know, it helps you – you know, it frames – the issue in a certain way, very forward-thinking way, like looking long-term, as Mike says. For me, though, I just, like, I ran through some of the things where I, like, think about a little bit. I'm, like, trying to make a decision. And for most decisions I make, I feel like the answer is neutral. They don't really make the future easier or harder in any meaningful sense. Do you have an uh, example? Especially, you know, it's, it's like, should I buy this thing that's, you know, sub $100 for entertainment, right? Yeah. Or, or something fun like a little a small splurge right mm-hmm. is that gonna make my future easier or harder no it's not really that big of a difference it's what i'm really looking for is like is it worth this mm-hmm. you know to me which is yeah, a different question i would say
1: yeah i would say this question is not applying to all decisions right of yeah. course it's not applicable to all decisions. it's more focused on like yeah go ahead keep going you're gonna say
2: no, yeah, I agree. I think mostly it would apply to more serious things. Mm. Um, it could also apply to smaller things too, like if you bought something that's like a useful tool, right, for mm-hmm. cooking to make cooking easier, and that could encourage you to cook more and eat out less. But okay, like it's not bad advice. I just think it's probably not relevant in the majority of decisions you make. Okay, and um, what question do you ask
1: yourself, man? Oh, right, actually, let me let me go my interpretation i mean the reason actually i like this question because personally i have a i have a t- tendency maybe to focus on short term instead of long term mm. right so this question always like, is this going to make the future easier or harder now like, if you go for something that's like tendency to get short term right as mike said earlier right you want to do the easy thing but actually in the future it make it harder um for example like because I have a tendency, for example, to avoid conflicts, right? For example, interpersonally, like maybe with you guys, right? Sometimes I will not say something even though because I want to avoid conflict and I want to, you know, and don't want to offend, not offending, but just to be nice, right? So don't want to, if, some, if maybe there's some, something that I feel like, you know, it's not going well, I tried not to say it, not to give that critical feedback, I say, hey, maybe this is not good, right? So I will try to avoid it, but even... Doing by doing that, actually, I'm focused on a short term, right? This is is easier for me to avoid this conflict right now. But actually, if by avoiding it, I'm making the future harder, right? Mm-hmm. So those kind of so personally for me, and that's why I like this question, because because uh, uh, yeah, because as I say, I have tendency to focus on the short turns than the long term sometimes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If that's your tendency, it's definitely. Mm. a good idea to try to think about that more although i will say i think most people often default to trying to avoid in conflict like i think that in particular for interpersonal stuff Mm. that's very common and this is actually a good thought for that where questioning like is avoiding a conflict now just going to make the relationship or issues worse in the future yeah that might be a good way to encourage people to be like let me take that uncomfortable step and address this issue
0: i like it for interpersonal stuff That uh, you know, like you can cite when you're discussing this.
2: I'm not talking about a robot
1: helping you. <laughs> oh, that's okay. oh yeah, that's mine. That's what you studied during for your
0: PhD thesis, right? Yeah. <laughs> conflict yeah, well, it's, resolution.
2: It was related. <laughs> I, it, see, was, I
0: see. That was essentially it,
2: but <laughs> you had a different take on how to help conflict resolution. I believe.
0: Well, uh, I well, I mean yes, because it incorporate like a robot was essentially being like, you know. Is there emotion to deal with now? It was the one asking the question. <laughs> so the <laughs> yeah. robot was
2: thinking, is this gonna make the future easier or harder? Well, that's yeah. correct. Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe robot maybe should ask this question for your study. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. During
1: during your experiment.
0: Yeah. No, that's I mean that's essentially the underlying uh uh what do you call? It? The mediation literature. That's that was yeah. that was what it was all about is <sighs> people avoiding conflict or people placating others because they don't want to have overt conflict.
1: Mm. I would say this question is also relevant when you're thinking about, and it's right now for me as well. And like, I thinking about, oh, whether should I get a, uh, like, like career-wise, right? Should I like, start my own business, which is very hard? Or should I do something that maybe find a job in a company, you know, like be comfortable and then all secure, like taking risk a little bit in the beginning, even though it's really hard. And then I don't know. I'm not sure if this question is appropriate, but it oh. kind of made me think about that too, right? If I if I learn all if I start my own business, i learn a lot of stuff. It's going to be hard, but in the future, it might be easier. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm not sure future. if this is a pro- appropriate question, but yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a good question, but there are times you might want to do what's set yourself up for something harder for the yeah. benefits, right? Mm -hmm. but it's but you should be probably like prepared mentally be like okay i'm actively choosing the thing that's going to be more difficult for these reasons because when it gets hard then you'll be able to think about
0: why you made that decision why you should persevere right yeah now like i said i mean i do think it's i said this very poorly earlier but it's a good question like it's good to think long term it's not necessarily good to think long term all the time as we've discussed like for every yeah. decision um but of i do think uh but i do think yes like i mean like so i keep going back to like oh the study hard in school or whatever like or to get educated in some capacity is like mm-hmm. that i guess has a lot going for that in the sense that it's like low risk and like there's a pretty clear track record of like that helping you know like education mm. helping with career and everything else so i mean i think that's like a like a, an easy sort of long term decision to make whereas something like starting a business one um you like you would need to consider like short term do i have the energy to do it and two like that's more of a high risk like like as we've talked about previously and probably today too (laughs) like uh you know like i mean is it the people the idea like the timing like there's a bunch of different factors that could backfire so yeah like
1: yeah exactly so this is this question is just one tool i guess so that's why the reason of Mental models. You want to have multiple of them, so you can like, pick which one you want to use for different st- situation. And this is just one of them. And In the future, I'm gonna introduce in- get, introduce more. So yeah. So um, that's good. So let's get into Olympics. I guess just a, a, a smaller type, uh, the mini topic before we get into the main topic today, the Olympics. So do you guys, did you guys watch Olympics? I've watched a little. Matt, you're not watching at all?
2: No. I've seen a few clips on YouTube from where Americans win a gold in some random sports, but oh. not much.
1: What's what event would you now like, you usually like watch? What's your favorite event?
2: I mean my favorite event is the Winter Olympics curling. But when <laughs> I watch... what Wait, you serious? Yeah, curling's awesome. Okay. But
1: <laughs> Wait, wait, you're joking, right?
2: <laughs> no. What do you mean, no? I mean, it's not like I go watch it a bunch winner either, but it's like curling's the best. Come on. Who doesn't get excited for curling? Nobody. They sweep so vigorously (laughs) as they go down (laughs) the thing. Nobody gets excited about curling. They bump the, you know, the rock, the stone out and get, you know, remove the other guy's score. All games should let you remove the other team's
0: scores if you score even better. Like that should just be a feature. It's, it's like sort of a cornhole on ice. <laughs> so, but now um yeah, I mean curling I feel like is is the like olympic sport everyone points to as like the sport they get hyped about like every 4 years but like forget about otherwise but I mean, I feel like that's what because do it's people like, really get high about curling? Oh yeah, 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 but I know it's definitely Whoa. people. People do, but I, I feel like it's because people look at it and they're like, "Yeah, I could do that." Like I could do that. <laughs> I mean, they
2: probably could, maybe not as yeah. well, but you right. could do it. Where most other things, like you're like, "Oh yeah, he's throwing himself off bars into the air." Like yeah, I, I could do a pull up. <laughs> like right.
0: I can't, you know, spin around it, right? Right, no, I mean, I think like swimming gymnastics in particular, um yeah, Like, like uh, I mean sprinting, obviously, like everyone can do, but it's like like these like the athletes are just basically at a point where it's like the apex of what the human body is capable of, like their bodies are physically perfect like for mm. doing this particular thing so, so what's your what's your favorite event to watch? I mean, winter hockey and summer oh. basketball. I mean, I'm boring. <laughs> like, I I like American sports. Like, I'm boring. Uh, like, uh, you know, I like sort of our four major sports. So, okay, you know, like, I well, watch it, those in the Olympics.
1: <laughs> got you, got you. We're talking about summer right now, but winter is fine too, I guess. But if if you yeah. could go back in time, which which event would you like train yourself in? Like, if you go back to your six years old, and which
0: I feel like, do you s- think? swimming probably swimming okay i mean i swam a lot as a kid and I, I feel like gymnastics i like it helps to be smaller so assuming i'm like the same roughly the same height hmm. um you know then i don't think i would be good like i don't think i would be at the an olympic gymnast level hmm. and uh like okay. like running i uh I don't know. I've never particularly liked running.
1: Well, I mean, imagine, I guess, don't imagine you as you. Imagine you are someone that is like, I don't know, perfect, I guess. Like, which event would you put yourself in? Mm.
0: I'm still, got, I feel like swimming, still just swimming. In, I Well, I feel like – I don't know how much you've been watching, and I haven't watched a ton, but I feel like every time I turn it on, it's like a swimming competition or swimming event that's on. I feel like it gets a lot mm. of press during the – or a lot of play during the Summer Olympics.
1: So, so you you won a fang, that's why. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. What about you, Matt? Rings rings
2: yeah gymnastic rings Mm -hmm. you see how built those guys are they look like superheroes in real life (laughs) if i would have been training like that since i was a little kid you know yeah i'd be built
1: like a gorilla that'd be cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) same here actually i'm i'm i was debating between rings or like bars right like doing Mm -hmm. all those bars and yeah but and it definitely but Besides, that definitely gymnastics. Yeah, I would, I would put myself into that actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it's something that you can actually you gain a lot of long lasting benefit. Not even you if you get older, right? You can still like do split. You know, <laughs> still pretty healthy. You know, good posture, all the stuff. Yeah, no, knowing like maybe know how to fall. You know, mm-hmm. so
2: yeah,
0: great. Did you ever do gymnastics when you were like a little kid, Mike? Uh no i mean basically just i evolve i mean like the basics i guess like you know the balance beam and stuff like that but nothing Uh oh balance beams. yeah isn't isn't that dangerous for boys (laughs) we had to do it in like you didn't do it in elementary school gym i I grew up in china we don't have anything
1: (laughs) we don't have a gym didn't you win
0: china just won gold
2: they take they take like some kids and put them into like an Olympic training school no, yeah, but they don't know, like right, train right. everyone. Right, right. Sure. Much yeah, more efficient for the mayors.
3: Medals. In
1: the 90s, like 90s in China it was rural area and there's not we don't even have a we only have one classroom per grade and there's no gym at all. So
2: <laughs>
1: and most gyms are not even indoors or outdoors. Now like you just go to the, to the yard and play
2: shes exercises walking to the well. And pulling up a bucket of water.
1: Actually, that's that's I did that sometimes. Actually, mm.
0: <laughs> I did I know, do that. that. was not just a joke. No. You told us No, that. it's not. Yeah, you have told us that. Yes.
1: Yeah, in the village, actually, we washed the clothes in the river, right? So next to the well, actually.
0: So mm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like you, so you did laundry, and then you got like, or like you got. Yeah, cranky. you you have a bucket with you, right? In the river, you know in the. The well is right next to the river, so...
1: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's... Anyway. <laughs> All
2: right. Yeah. So. All right. Also, also, hold on. Lee Kiefer became the first American to win a gold in fencing, or individual fencing foil, at least. I did see oh, that. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't you pick fencing, Matt? You actually did that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did it for, like, one semester. Mm. But, yeah. I mean, if I was going to pick... You know it's fun, but it's not what I would pick if I could be an elite Olympic athlete at something yeah
1: it's it's also like super narrow right Gymnastics, you basically like full body functional right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah All That's right, cool. well. also also lee lee Kiffler I think she she's she's a doctor too I think she's going to be a doctor anyway, so that was impressive as well Ooh. she was doing the training and being going to medical school at the same time
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing about you US you American athletes, right? And it is in China, I think they're very narrowly trained. And they take you into a technical and like, basically school like that just training on a sport. So in the future, when they finish sport, it's very hard for them to move on into anything different, something else. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, let's talk about robotics.
2: Okay. All right. Hey, this is a topic we actually have somewhat expertise on for once instead of just <laughs> spitballing <laughs> we've read like three academic papers over a week and or a book on the subject yeah. we're like now we understand mm-hmm. this let us explain it
1: yeah so so i have a structure of discussing this but before i want to go into how i want my first question is how would you dis- structure this conversation discussion Maybe you should mention what the discussion is. Yeah, It's robot business is. Oh yeah, the main topic is about robot business, right? Now, startups, different industries. Because I mean, you guys, we, we we've been studying robotics for a long time, and then you know we probably have some inklings of what application robots good for. And uh, as I say earlier, the main thing for for this discussion is to help me figure out which robot company should I start, right? So anyway, so. Free consulting from you guys from two PhDs. So yeah, so, so I, yeah, just like basically just giving an overview of all the different robotic startup, different industries, and then I was wondering how would you guys structure the conversation? So robotics, I think, is actually easier
2: than some other areas to think about because the big there's at least a big thing that's really important, right? <laughs> Labor cost. If uh... what you're getting into the labor costs are a big chunk of what it, the cost of the business robotics probably makes sense. And then the second question is, can you actually replace those labor costs with a robot? Mm. But, uh, so I mean, that's, that's where the gold mine's going to be, right? Cause there's mm. industries where labor costs are not a big portion because they're already using, you know, very expensive machines or materials. So it's not that big of a deal to have a person operate it. It's like functionally a much smaller slice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that you couldn't potentially gain profits from robots there, but you know, you're not going to get as much for your investment probably. So labor cost.
0: Mm. Uh, So that's, uh, I guess that's my, what I would say. Okay. Well, I I thought maybe it was a higher level question. Like, you know, basically like, so So I guess you're starting where I would start, which is basically like, what are the problems like that are in sort of, like, uh, you know, sort of what of the problems that exist that robots would be profitable for, or like in like the areas in which they could be applied, like then what solutions already exist in those areas and, uh, you know, then where those solutions fail, I guess would be sort of like where you come in. So I, I mean, mm. I was thinking about, uh, I, like how to structure the discussion, like yeah. It would be the, that order, I guess.
1: Mm. Yeah, Matt, I think you're more focused on what's, how to, when you, instead of like structuring a conversation, it's more like focus on the robotic companies to start, right? Oh, if you,
2: yeah, I think I right? misunderstood your question. I thought yeah. you were saying, how would you structure, like thinking about what. Businesses to start or invest in. <laughs> yeah, Now <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking bad about bad. how would
1: you s- structure the conversation today, like, you
2: know, uh, over, giving
1: Over overview of our robotic business and stuff like that.
2: Oh, I see. Uh, so so you want? I guess. I, I, I guess my, we my gonna... point.
1: I I want to I want to get an idea. Of how would you structure the conversation to convey an idea, right? The concept and stuff like that. Now, how would you want to talk about? this topic i guess
2: like is structure,
1: the t- how would you structure it yeah
2: so just to be clear the topic is what sort of robotic businesses are a good idea like to either make or invest in right
1: yeah kind of yes yeah, yeah
2: i mean yeah i guess you structure the conversation by saying first like on principles what do you what do you think is a good idea and then secondly then evaluate what's out there already
1: okay all right. What about if you just want to give you an overview of the robotics industries?
2: I think you would just overview it. I don't think you need a structured conversation <laughs> to overview the robotics industry. I think you yeah.
1: could just say that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, all right, let's get, get into, all right. So, of course, um, so what's your, have you guys thought about starting a robotic company? No. And why not?
2: Because I think about whether a decision is going to make the future easy or hard. <laughs> and that seems like it would make my future very hard. <laughs> now um, Starting a company is expensive. Uh, yeah. Robotics companies are definitely not the cheapest ones to start either. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't feel like I have enough practical experience yet okay. to make that jump. Yeah. So I would rather, you know, sharing my personal career plans on our public podcast, but I'd rather get a little more experience and work under other people to learn from them before i would try anything to venture out that far
1: Uh, okay but in the future you could you know it could be a potential yeah
2: if i see an opportunity that no one else is going for maybe
0: yeah what about Hmm. you mike no i mean at some point i would like to start a company but i mean i guess similar to matt like at this but not a robotic company uh i mean i I guess robotic like I, i don't know like what I, I guess when I think of like robotics company now, I think of like automating, you know, warehouses or like, just like essentially automation more mm. so than like, I mean, but certainly there, I think there are opportunities like that are coming in like, like healthcare and um mm. like human, like technology, like interaction that could be interesting but mm, okay uh, yeah i i don't know yes but again it's sort of the money t- like time and energy in this moment that keeps me from doing it <laughs>
1: okay so let's the last two questions about these if i give you a million dollars i guess what robotic company would you start a million dollars i mean just i, I just want to give you a big number just Basically, you are have enough funding. Oh, just mm. you can do anything you want, right? What robotic company would you start?
0: Is a million dollars a lot of money
1: though? Well, just no. just a billion dollars. What about
0: billion dollars? Billion. got I an gonna, idea? Come on.
2: A million would definitely not be enough to start a robotics company, but yeah, yeah. she's okay. point is a large yes. amount of funding.
1: Imagine yeah. I'm yeah. Jeff yeah. Bezos or something. I can give you a lot of money you want <laughs> as much as you want.
0: um it's a hard question to answer because i guess i haven't necessarily like what i think of like specifically with robots i mean i guess where my interests lie i'm just not sure robots are good enough yet you mean like
1: ai not in the software wise or mechanical robotic
0: physical i'm guessing both oh okay I mean, just because I like, like, I like the idea of robots being able to help people. Mm. (laughs) Just in the sense of, like, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, I mean, robots could be implanted in people to, like, monitor and... You know, like, uh, if you actually have, like, a robotic agent as opposed to just, like, a more passive monitoring, the robot could actually, like, you know, I mean, they always talk about, like, robots to clear out arteries that are getting mm. clogged and, you know, things like that. And I think that's really cool. I just don't have a really good sense at all of, like, how feasible that is in, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30, like, you know, the time span of wh- when that would be feasible. I mean, gotcha. yeah, I and that's and mostly from I like I think that a big part of that is I don't know where the hardware is, um, mm. to do the okay. stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean I, I do agree with Matt's earlier point that a lot of like if the if you gave me a large sum of money to start a company, I guess my first step would be like just identifying industries where like, like yeah, people cost a lot. Those people are doing relatively uh, low skill work, and you know, trying to see if that could be automated.
1: But, so, you you mentioned people cost. What do you think? Cafe X.
0: Cafe X is yeah. that the coffee place that's all robots? Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably a good, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know, I guess, uh, like, I, I I, feel like I don't know if they bombed or they're doing well, but I would I mean, imagine that's a good cost unless sort of people, as in the people buying the coffee and customers reject it because it's all robots.
1: So, yeah, so they have, like, imagine like a coffee stand, right? They have, a, you've seen a robotic arm inside a glass window. Mm-hmm. Right, making a coffee for you, you can order through the app, right? And then, the right. whatever the coffee, you can see the robot arm actually. Is basically you're you replacing the barista with a robotic arm, basically just making the coffee for you, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, there's a replacing the cost of that. What do you think? Of, so, yeah, what do you think, Mike? Well, I mean, what do you think, Matt?
2: I think that's a great idea. So, I was looking <laughs> at this because your link. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, first of all, again, I feel like that's an industry where the labor cost is reasonably high, right? The food industry employees are one of the bigger costs. Food is generally Mm -hmm. very cheap in the U S and then there's the other thing. If you look at it, it's much smaller. Mm -hmm. Like they can actually like fit it in in a much smaller space than you would need for like a proper full size store, Mm -hmm. which again could save a lot of money on like renting space or a building or whatever. And, it just makes it more convenient for the people who want to buy from it, right? Because it can be placed more closely, right? You can have one of those in a big office building rather than having to have people go across the street to Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And suddenly now it's more convenient and cheaper, you know, if you can actually do the job well, I think that it's just huge potential. I mean, I think there's always going to be a market for the the Starbucks that you can go to and the people who want their friendly barista. But I could see these things getting a pretty big share of people who just like, I just want a coffee, like as quick and convenient as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. So my question for you is that, like for this cafe X company, like why, what's the difference between net, net and then just a vending machine, right? So why do you need a robotic arm actually? Is that more for like people, like no, novelty, like for people to look at, right? Because you don't, you, you, you could make the glass, like just black, right? So people cannot see anything. You can just make it into a very small, Smaller footprint, maybe uh, just a vending machine, just spit out coffee, right? What's the difference between this and that? Why do you need a robotic arm in there?
2: I do think the biggest reason might be just to, like, look cool. Because when I I looked at this, the first thing I thought was, you know, why are they using all the coffee machines that are designed for people, right? You could make, like, an Mm -hmm. assembly line that just, like, you don't need an arm, right? It's just assembly line runs the cups under the things that shoot everything you need into it. And then it just yeah. delivers at the end out. Um, I mean, there's some advantages in reusing equipment that's already made and sold to a large degree, right. Rather than designing everything from scratch, you know, they can mm-hmm. buy a robot arm and then they buy normal coffee things and use them together. But I think I, especially at scale, the other way would probably be cheaper, right. Not having the full robot arm, but yeah, I mean, companies pay a lot for marketing, right? If the fancy robot arm in the glass box gets people, you know, interested, that's worth it, could be worth it.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. Sounds good, sounds good. What about a similar company, Chino?
2: <laughs> yeah, this looks like the same, pretty much the exact same idea. Right. The yeah. only difference is, I don't think Boba
0: Tea is nearly as popular as coffee is over here. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like it's. I don't know. It's getting pretty popular. I feel like. I don't know. I mean, no. It, yeah. Yes, I agree. It's not nearly coffee, obviously, but yeah. It's,
1: yeah, it's, bubble tea. Bu- bubble tea, you know, basically, is of coffee. They are doing bubble tea, right? One of the right. reason I think they 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 did say, oh, because they want to, because it's not everywhere. Bubble tea is not popular because it's not everywhere. So they want to put bubble tea everywhere by using automated, putting robotic arm in there, you know, stuff like that. But yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. So no, it's a good idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I say, I'm not sure. I mean, what's the difference between like, this company and really just replace it with, with a very more efficient like vending machine, right? So anyway. So I, I think I think they do maybe as as Matt said earlier, you know, everything is off shelf off the shelf already. They can just put everything together, right? So
0: Right. And I mean anyway. certainly I I mean I guess I don't know because I mean a vending machine right is a very different like it, like it would need to be bigger than a vending machine right like they would need like the they would need, I don't know like, I think the...
1: I think you can design it to make it tiny like look at how how how, how tiny the iPhone is right if you can pack <laughs> everything if you design it correctly you can probably pack everything
0: yeah well, I'm just thinking like the amount of ingredients they need. Like these restaurants probably want some sense of like a, uh, like to maintain like a sense of like, you know, this is like a, like a cafe with like seating and you come here like to, you know, get your coffee and do a little work or something. Mm, yeah. So I mean, the I could see, yeah. yeah I could see them minimizing the space, but I mean, I, I think like, part of it also is, like, these restaurants are, like, already, uh, uh, like, not only are the machines that make the coffee sort of bought and sold, hmm. uh, but, like, already, but the, uh, the, I guess, like, the organization of the restaurants is sort of in place, right? Like, they have, like, they have certain storage areas for ingredients. They, like, the amount of ingredients to make the coffee is, like, pretty, probably standardized in a lot of these places. So, it's sort of, like, yeah i mean you could i think you could shrink the components to make the coffee or make the bubba tea or whatever but like i don't know yeah, like yeah. The, the, the the organization of the restaurants may be a little bit harder gotcha gotcha so. all right going back to matt's question
1: what, what robotic company would you start we can skip it if you don't have can't think of anything me yeah
2: i would do one for something for the military
1: military why
2: they have a big budget so there's a lot that robots can do that we're not that are it's just they're expensive to make them do it right Uh. so you know making it viable your budget's a lot bigger and a high labor cost like Uh. using soldiers for things is very expensive especially Uh. if there's any risk whatsoever that they could die which comes into play semi-frequently uh for the job so you know, it uh, costs a lot of money to train a soldier, and then they spend a lot more money trying to make sure there's no way they can die. Uh, um, so, yeah, very you. expensive labor cost, big budget. Mm. That's where there's, uh, you know, basically more
1: drones. Going for the money. I got uh, you. Well, I'm I mean, just saying, I... if you want to be successful.
0: I'm curious, though, about like, I mean, you're, are you just going to compete with like Raytheon directly, though? I mean, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> she well, said, mean,
2: "She said as much money as I want." So, okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
3: It's
1: st- it's startup, right? So, I mean, you a lot of these big companies they don't have the bandwidth to work on a lot of stuff, right? So, there's a starter, you can start and they focus on something maybe small right now. Right? Yeah, you yeah. get
2: you get in with one niche thing first, get your contracts and networking established, and then you expand out from there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, if you want to look into that as a company called Shield AI in the future, if you're interested, you can look into the future. But I did not really list it as a discussion company right now. But in the future, you could when, you, when you're when you ready to look for a job. So anyway, I want to get into the restaurant space, right? So in the restaurant industry. So what? I guess my question for you is that what problem would you try to solve with robots for restaurants?
2: i already said it labor costs i mean yeah. that's the big thing right so which, which
1: problem which problem are you which problem which labor like which if you can pick one problem and like which problem you can address
2: oh wait
0: you mean like what type of job within restaurants yeah yeah i would, I would say i don't i feel like ordering should be order like
2: Yeah, I would say face-to-face service, ordering and even bringing food, right? Like it'd be much easier for a robot to bring out food than it is for a robot to cook food.
0: I mean, I could see that. Like, that's a harder problem. I feel like ordering you build an iPad into the table, and then you know, like... is that
2: that's already solved? A lot of restaurants already have that. Or, think, or uh... why even do an iPad? Right? Here's the <laughs> QR code for our menu. <laughs> you know,
1: I'm talking a problem that a robot can solve, not you know ordering. Yeah. night,
0: nice, you know, this is what I'm saying. Uh, right. Well, I mean, it is a solved problem, but I, I guess, I guess, why do restaurants? continue to like so i mean you have the qr like particularly during covid you scan the qr code with your phone like it came up and restaurants do have sort of you know like either you can order on your phone or on like some type of ipad like thing that's on the table like Mm -hmm. i guess why haven't they like why do they still often have like the server um take your order and i I mean i guess bringing it I can see, like, the complications there just because, you know, there are sort of restaurants can become, like, sort so, of messy environments. But.
1: So, yeah, a company are doing that right now, actually do, solving the exact problem, like, bring the food to you. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Sunset Bear Robotic or something like that. And there's a Korean company, and there's a, a company in the U.S. is doing that, too. Yeah, and they just have, it's not like a robot with multiple, like, trays on top, stack on top, and you just I think it's really good for like p- pizzeria and stuff like that. So that's already been happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, for Mike, for you, is serving, like kind of bringing your food to you in the restaurant. What about you, Matt? Did I was you... the
2: one who said serving. Oh, Mike was okay. saying ordering, which you don't oh. need a robot for. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right, right. I... Okay. Well, okay. So, mm-hmm. so my, the, the, the robotic company I picked for discussion today is Tube, actually. Chef, robotics, and missile robotics, they both try to do like cooking for you. So what do you think about that? It's harder.
0: <laughs>
1: why why yeah. is it harder?
0: Well, because, I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, there's just more complication, right? I, I mean, uh, I guess, depending on the, like, uh, I guess they may sort of retrofit the kitchen Like, you know, because I'm sort of thinking of sort of like the robotic arm, but maybe they sort of actually are taking the approach we talked about with coffee, where it's like they actually like basically have like, you know, here's the steaks lined up. And it's like, you know, they just shoot a steak into like a grill that comes down like this, cooks Mm. for the appropriate amount of time for the temperature that's input. Like whatever the temperature the person ordered, it comes out the other side, and you yeah. know there's a scooper that just puts mashed potatoes on the plate and it's done. I don't know. Like they yeah. could just change the kitchen. But, mm-hmm.
1: So you say harder problem. So I guess my question for you guys is: It harder to replace server or a no, waiter, right? A server or replacing a cook, right? the chef. Which one is harder?
0: Cook. Yeah. The cook's yeah. harder. I think hands down, hands down. Because I mean, think about restaurants you go to all the time. When the Mm. when the waiter, waiter or waitress changes, like you probably have one almost a different one every time you go in there. Like, Mm. how does that change your experience versus like, oh, the restaurant got a new chef. Oh, this restaurant is shit now.
1: Like, (laughs) yeah, I think initially I was thinking about around the same line, but after I thinking about it, actually, I might have a different opinion because. Human robot interaction is very hard. Like ordering, right? You you know sometimes, I mean, if for example, if you put a robot in the restaurant, the human might expect to talk to the robot. And then if you don't, the behavior, of how robot behaves, can influence the human experience. So it's, it might be harder to design it, and also in the AI might be very hard to like understand what a human is ordering. Of course, I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm thinking that maybe instead of ordering, like, ordering through speech instead of like using an iPad and stuff, and then. I feel like that might be harder because actually, even though, yeah. So when I think about replacing a chef, actually cooking, I I thought it was, initially, I thought it was a very hard, challenging problem. I realized actually you could control restaurant, like human, you cannot control. But in a restaurant, just cooking, you can control the whole process. You can control the environment. So you can design an environment such that it might be easier for the robot maybe to focus on something very like maybe one dish or something at the beginning. And so I I think, so may, um, I guess my my new opinion is maybe the cooking robot is not as hard as you imagine it to be. Because, mm. because yeah, as I say, the question is how much you can control over the task and the environment, right? And then if you're in the kitchen, I feel like you can design as such that it doesn't interact with anybody else. And everything is very predict deterministic, predictable. The environment you you make it structure is such that it's predictable. So it might be easier. E-
0: yeah. I mean no? the, uh, I mean I guess well one I, I my immediate reaction to that is like if you're the making the robot, right? Like yeah. or you're the robotics company behind this, you're not the restaurant. So it's mm-hmm. like you're not setting like you need a can at that point you need it like what makes the cooking process very easy requires you to convince a bunch of restaurants to totally restructure their kitchens. Yeah,
1: I mean, a lot of times a restaurant, yeah, so in the, yeah, net, net, net is true, right? So if someone, a restaurant is going to use, adopt this technology, they need to design a restaurant such that it can use the robot, right? right. So those are, uh, I think those is a, it's a challenge problem. I mean, it's convenient for the customer, but in terms of robotics problem to solve, cooking and serving. I think cooking is might be harder, right? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, cooking might be easier. I mean, so so like I think I have to disagree. So ordering,
2: we already established. I mean, there's already places where you just order through an interface, right? So mm-hmm. that makes the job of serving that a robot really has to do is literally just bring something from A to B. Just drive from A to B, not crashing into anything. You'd probably still want one physical hostess, you know, kind of around in case someone has some issues, but cooking, like if you, if you narrowly, super narrowly define the cooking scope as like, oh, if there's a burger on the grill and it's holding up spatula, like a robot can flip it. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not that hard. You can make a robot do that. But you know, you said you don't want robots to interact with other people. So what happens when it needs more ingredients, right? Is there going to be someone who's constantly delivering exactly the ingredients right in its workspace to access? Because I assume the robot's not going to go back into the storage pantry, the storage fridge, whatever. What about cleaning everything, right? Is the robot going to clean the grill, you know, every hour? Or so? Well, you, you're
1: you using it as a tool, right? That like dishwasher, you load a dish into and then press a button, it goes, right? So
2: I'm just saying, like, when you think about it, because cooking is a lot more than just cook, like literally controlling the thing on the grill and putting it on a plate, right? There's a lot of just like other logistics in the back to manage when you're cooking. I mean, if you've cooked at home, you know, often the prep and the cleanup usually takes more effort or time than actually cooking something. Mm. So there's, so you start having a long, a wide variety of jobs, all of which are very difficult to make are difficult to make a robot do and again you so you either are left with having a robot do everything or you start having a robot that has to work with people which brings its own problems because now you got employees trying to interact with its workspace and that creates you know bits of danger and uncertainty that's going to increase your cost a lot
1: yeah i would say i'll say i bring a point that you say i literally define a cooking robot as just flipping something yeah but I think the way you define serving as well too, right? You are narrowly defining it as just like ordering to an iPad and then just bringing it out, right? But serving could be, you know, if you go to high-end diners, right? You have different kind of serving, right? A robot coming out, you know, maybe with uh, arms or something, you know, taking order for you, you know. You will narrowly define it too, right? So that's
0: fair. Serving. But I
1: think, but right, but like like I
2: mentioned, like what does it take to build? a robot that isn't that narrow in a kitchen, you mm. it has to do a bunch of different tasks. But like, I guess I feel like the serving robot's practical, right? You could have a functional restaurant with a robot that literally just brings the food out when they order mm. it on an iPad. Because I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes some people are going to want interaction with their waiter, especially at like a high-end place, right? We're not going to have the robot suggest a bottle of wine and pour it for someone. Like we're not doing anything that complicated. Yeah, but narrow, of, yeah. There's a lot of places where I talk to my waiter three times. They like mm. order, bring me my water or drink and then bring me my food. Sorry. And then they bring the check out. That's like, that's it. Like I, I see him four times gotcha. for like yeah, yeah, basic yeah. things and that's it. Um, and it's yeah. like, that's probably the majority of the times I go to a restaurant. Maybe that tells you how much money I spend on high-end <laughs> places. But you know, I get, that's easy. The first two ordering and paying, I don't need a human at all. And the second two, they're just bringing me stuff. That's
0: all mm. they I mean, at high-end places, even, they're just, like, you know, they'll recommend you, like, oh, our, like, our feature dessert or our feature bottle of wine or whatever. Like, I mean, I feel like on the iPad, like, you could hit, like, recommend me. Like, you know, there could be, like, a recommend me button and like, some category. And the thing could be, like, basically say, like, our most, you know, our most expensive is, our, you know, least expensive is, like, the preferred, you know, the preferred bottle of wine for 27% of customers, uh, you know, is this. Like, yeah, and it could give you, I mean, it probably could give you as much detail as you wanted. So,
1: yeah. So I want to say last comment is that I think, I think the chef, night like robotics, I, I think cooking application and serving, they are both not, might not be the right Application for robotics in a restaurant, and the right application. Actually, I found uh, I, I saw a company that's doing pretty good. It's called Dishcraft. Dishcraft. So basically, you know, from the name, you probably can guess what it does, right? It basically does like uh focus on dishwashing robots, mm-hmm. right? So I think for your, like those knows actually tasks, people are, I think are, I think maybe the industry is overlooking those kind of like other tasks. A lot of people when they think of a restaurant, they all serving. Cooking, but they they don't pay attention to the other stuff they actually, yeah, needed to be done in the restaurant. So, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I th- I say one of my favorite company in this space is the dishcraft.
0: I think that's I, better than cooking for sure. Yeah, I think it's. I ignored it. Like like I yeah. thought of it, but I was like, I feel like dishwashing <sighs> is like hard. Like <laughs> like dishwashing in a particular kit. Like I mean, I guess because if you're. I, it's because mm-hmm. you're thinking about using robotic arms, right, to clean the dishes, pick it up, doing that, right? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, I mean I I guess so, just because like again, unless there's like you're convincing restaurants to make a fundamental shift in like the functioning of their kitchens and probably the physical structure of them. Mm-hmm. So what this craft is
1: doing there, I think actually he actually designed his own plates as well. Mm. Okay. And that, then that's... he also Basically, have almost like building a gigantic, like almost like wash dishwasher too. So it's not, it doesn't look like robotic, but it's automated, right, kind of thing,
3: uh-huh.
1: right? But it's still using robotic process to do it, right? So anyway, so I don't think they are using robotic arms to do anything right now with the dishes. Yeah, net, net, yeah, that net would be very hard, but you, we don't need robot arm to do that, right? To soften the dishwashing, right? So, yeah.
2: Okay yeah i'm yeah. watching their video now yeah on how they do this
1: and i mean a lot of, i know as a startup is also doing like dry cleaning too like dry cleaning a robot it's basically mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't you know when you see it it's not really a it doesn't have robotic arms or anything it's just a giant uh, washer right washer and dryer kind of thing right so dry cleaning mm-hmm. machine right so
2: it looks like the dishcraft, the idea there looks like basically you load, once you're done with your dishes, you kind of put them in something that kind of loads them in like a stacked individual kind of controlled thing so mm-hmm. that the machine can pull one dish at a time and run it through some, you know, pressure washing of hot soapy water real quick.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, yeah, they can make that work. And I mean, even if you need an employee to help, even if customers, you know, don't put the plate right, right? You can have an employee kind of like fix it, and then they shove it into the dishwasher, and it does comes out already fully clean. That's like a lot of work saved.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I anyway, know. this is this is, it, I think I like this company is because it made me think a little bit differently about, about the restaurant space. I was like, also was like, oh man, like what else have I not like talk about? Right. So like, what have I, what have I been missing? Right. Like not thinking. Yeah. Maybe sometimes you have a shining object in this industry and you just focus on that. You are missing all the other things, right? So that's cool. All right. So next industry, agriculture. So what problem would you try to solve with robots for this industry?
0: I would want to, so there, sorry. you want, You should go first this time, Mike. Uh, no, well, I mean, you solved a problem in this industry already, so I did not. <laughs> That's a different topic. <laughs> but
2: um, I mean, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break from my earlier rule, which I was like labor costs, because there are farming industries that involve like more human labor to pick stuff, and there's people who are working on robots to pick everything that humans pick. But for a lot of crops, I like the weeding robots, the ones that mm. visually just run over detect weeds hit them with like a literally sometimes they just have a mental spike and they just a pow pow," spike them Mm -hmm. first of all saving a lot of cost on you know weed killers and stuff like that second of all you get to talk about how it's organic and good for the environment yeah um yeah and it's not it's not the like it's not trivial, but it's definitely not the hardest robotic problem, right? The big thing is you just got to be able to make sure you don't accidentally spike the re- good plant, and then you can mm. pretty much kill everything else you see. Mm. And again, you're not reusing a resource; you just need a little bit of power to it. Yeah, and these are solar powered; you can charge them up too. Yeah, electricity doesn't cost much.
1: Nice, nice. I forgot you have a you have some inside information in this industry, kind of. Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. What about you, Mike? I would probably make robots that look for pests and plants. What? A pest (laughs) in plants? Yeah. No, that was Matt's PhD. But I I mean, I actually don't know that it's a bad idea.
2: That was Uh, a hypothetical scenario I used in my PhD. I think it would actually be pretty difficult to have a robot detect and
0: kill a pest on a plant. But, but i didn't well, have to I, I, make
2: a robot do that so it's okay
0: <laughs> see this is again just me not knowing about like where costs in agriculture i mean because i feel like I, I i mean i don't know what do you
1: mean system. you don't know you just labor costs right labor costs is because right now it's all but on I mean, farms are yeah go ahead
0: well i was just gonna say like there aren't there are no there are very few small time farmers right like mm. i mean most of production at this point is by massive farms and i assume they use like a pretty high amount of automation to carry out what they
1: know no, it
0: depends no, they, what
2: we're it depends what we're farming because some stuff no. is just big tractor combines and other stuff they have to have people out there actually picking it yeah uh, okay yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, agriculture is an interesting industry because actually there's a labor shortage right a lot of americans are not doing the farms and then they as you probably know like even in Bush administration they try to have like farm workers coming from like mexico right stuff like that, having a special visas to give them, coming to do the work, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So that
1: means Americans are not really doing it anymore, right? So, labor mm-hmm. costs, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I want to go into a couple companies. One is called Burrow AI, which is, uh basically, Burrow is doing, like, very similar to, like, imagine, like, a robot, like, wheelbarrow, right? You, it follows a human into a, like in the field, right? And a human, like put, like, for example, like grapes, right? Like grape harvesting, right? Human cut the grapes and put the grapes on top of a robot, and the robot just, like, you know, transport it from back to the home station, I, I guess, right? And then follow on the a human again. Basically, instead of a human, like carrying stuff back and forth, and the robots do it for you. I feel like that's a very straightforward application and it's very safe our labor too, and then, right?
0: Yeah, no, I like that idea. I guess the only complexity is, uh, well, I mean, the biggest complexity is sort of one, like the navigation, like, are they losing, like, I mean, I'm guessing these farms are not like perfectly flat terrain, so it's like keeping the thing balanced and getting it from point A to point B successfully, uh, and Yeah, and uh, yeah.
1: That's a a technical challenge. I think they can do it incrementally, right? Make it better. I think right now they have something that works pretty good. Of course, sometimes they, you know, perception, sometimes they might lose the humor, might not be followed well. And then localization, sometimes like, you know, no navigation sometimes with the robot may be challenging. But I think they are doing a pretty good job right now in that that area, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, staying with the human. And I mean, honestly, like, when I think about this, I would almost want to... Bar- like wheelbarrow robots per person. Mm. Like one stays with them, like basically gets to a point where it's like, say, 80% full mm-hmm. and it uses like some type of communication, you know, whether like mm. some type of communication to like, like let the uh, like next wheelbarrow know that it's almost full. Yeah. And then it, the that wheelbarrow comes to like meet the human, so the human can just continue seamlessly, yeah. and then the other one goes back and drops off the fruit.
1: Wow, nice multi robot coronation right there. That's right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, so that's good. That's good. Uh, maybe Burrow is listening, so maybe maybe they will adapt your strategy. So so mm-hmm. the other company actually is called uh, Togu, Tortuga tech, I think they, they're basically just doing like str- strawberry harvesting robots, right? So right now, as I mentioned, like Burrow AI is just like human doing the picking, mm-hmm. right? Now, I mean, I think and there's a lot of other robotic company instead of just carrying stuff around, actually the robot is doing the picking as well, like uh, peppers, right? Or grapes, strawberry, and this company actually is doing like strawberry picking, right? Kind of strawberry harvested, right? So... These are stuff that are very, yeah. Anyway, any thoughts?
2: I mean, I would, I would need to see how good it is at picking. You know, I think yeah. Burrow is it's a be, it's a better idea because it's a it's a very much solved robotics problem. So mm-hmm. it can really help human labor be much more efficient um, mm-hmm. by working with humans. So humans do what they're best at, and robots mm-hmm. do the what it's best at, you know, just carrying something heavy around um, from A to B, a robots. Good at that. Yeah. For picking strawberry. I mean, yeah, if you can, if you can effectively replace, you know, people having to hand pick fruit, that's obviously a lot of labor, but Mm. how good is it and how expensive is it to make it good? Mm. I just, I'm the, the burrow one that to me
0: seems like a easy win while this one's like, maybe yeah because hmm. I, mean, I don't know if you've been how recently you both have been fruit picking but I, like I went within the last year and like especially like picking berries it's like it's a lot of like lifting like lower branches up or like lower you know it's like lifting and sort of moving around a lot of uh sort of low and high branches to try to see like under them is often Mm -hmm. where a lot of the fruit is. So Mm. it's often sort of hidden. It's not like it's just sitting in plain view. So, Mm. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of manipulation that would make this reasonably hard.
2: I mean, if you take a lesson from Amazon, look at what they do in their warehouses, right? I mean, it's not farming, but they have the Kiva system robots that haul things all around. Mm -hmm. And they actually bring all the shelves to a person and they have the person do the pick and place, right? Mm -hmm. Grab things out. Put it in a box. That's much more similar to the action of harvesting a plant, right? And then they bring this and then they leave bring the stuff away with robots too. So they they optimize as much as possible around the task that human has to do, which is that actual grabbing stuff. And yeah, if anything, taking fruit off a you know out between branches and stuff might be more difficult than just grabbing the package, you know, box. Maybe it's about the same difficulty. I don't know. But you know, just looking at what companies have
0: already successfully done you mm-hmm. know yeah no they could put like I feel like yeah a human just uh on like I don't know I just want the fields to be like fully automated it's just like the humans on like a bet like sitting on some type of conveyor belt like they just are sitting there they picking the fruit they're just like dropping it next to them the a conveyor belt's carrying it off to dump it into like some big like yeah. pit uh, outside the field
1: <laughs> i think there's a there's a couple of companies that are doing something that like instead of like deploy robot into like existing farms mm. they kind of create a farm from the ground up in in internal of robotics right so they create like big gigantic almost like greenhouse like ro- is like robotic greenhouse almost in a way right so there are a couple of companies that are doing that already but anyways, I think Matt was talking about a warehouse, and that was a perfect transition to the you know, warehouse robotics. So, <laughs> so what? Like when you think about warehouse, you were talking about earlier about like you know we already have a system, existing system that's moving things around, like Kiva system, right? bring a shelf to the humans. So besides that, what other problem would you try to solve with robots in the warehouses? Can you think of anything that you might think could be good? Uh,
2: the the picking and boxing problem that Amazon and Google have been researching and working on for a while now, mm-hmm. trying yeah. to replace that human who's putting stuff in a box from other boxes. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the big one because, like, some... I've seen a video of like inside the Amazon stuff, like huge sections of their warehouses are already automated. Mm. So. Like, if you if you solve the pick and place, like, they might be, like, nearly end-to-end, no humans needed, just supervising.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a company, company doing that right now, actually, one robot is called Pico Robotics, and a lot of, like, dexterity AI is doing that, too, like, pick and place automation. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I think another robotic company is called Soft Robotics, too and they are doing something very similar as well, just picking a place, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm. So, anything from you, Mike? No, I, I mean, I think that's the big problem. I just don't know. Like, I don't know that I would start. Like, I feel like that's a problem a lot of people are looking at and a lot of yeah. money is being thrown Oh, yeah, already, so.
1: absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. other... So, our... A few companies in this domain I find interesting is uh, Third Way AI. Actually, they try to automate uh, a forklift. So I design like, mm-hmm. autonom- autonomous forklift, right? So those are pretty interesting. The reason I find it interesting is because actually it's not not because of like, what I try to do. It's actually because of the approach to autonomy, right? And they're actually using shared autonomy. So that means like the whenever the forklift gets into trouble and I something it cannot do, you actually have allow a human operator to take over and then do the task so i found i yeah I found it a, a little bit unique' cause a lot of robotic companies try to go for autonomous or right away right, and which might be a very because you know robot you know it's hard to get get to be a hundred percent autonomous all the time right so mhm mhm yeah. So, yeah, no. So that's why you give me the... I mean, that's because uh, cause in this in warehouse environment it's very... Even though warehouse is structured already, sometimes there's a lot of unpredictable unpredictable events like happen, right? So the robot can always get in trouble. Those edge cases, the robot can get into trouble, right? So Also,
2: third wave hits the market. So there's already things like Kiva systems and there's other large scale warehouse robotic systems where you Mm -hmm. basically build the whole warehouse, like around them, like Mm -hmm. the, the physical environments engineered very specially for it, but there's a lot of smaller warehouses that exist that were, you know, not built for that stuff. So if you Mm -hmm. can make a, you know, if you can just sell something, that's a fancy forklift that can go into a normal warehouse environment, maybe with some minimal additions of some sensors, some markings, some, you know, things to help the robot localize and whatnot. Yeah. Like if you can adapt normal stuff without having to rebuild it all, that's a big potential market. Yeah. Even yeah, if it's no. not as efficient as Kiva overall, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Cut you off.
1: <laughs> no, no. I was going to say that you, yeah, getting into like talking about third way and a shared autonomy actually in, right now that's a lot of like de- delivery robots, right? Like robot, like you go to a restaurant, you order the food, and robot brings to you like KiwiBot and on the Starship technology, those robotic companies actually, they are using something like very similar as well. And I like, share autonomy, like when robot fails in the street, right? Because when you when you get a robot on the street, in the real world is really, they have a very high chance of failing, right? So they always have like remote operator taking over control as well. So I guess the, the point is that you don't need to be 100% autonomous, right? So 95% or 90, 90% might be good enough for you to start a business in this domain, yeah.
2: Mm, yeah, because rather than every single delivery being you know, completely executed by a human, you just have one human can manage 10 robots just stepping in when they need to.
1: Yep. Nice. Any other industry that you think might be good for robotics do you have any favorite industry
0: i'm not sure if i asked you that question already well i mean like i mean i talked about like medical i mean i there's Mm. already like in hospitals there's like opportunities to like bring you know like deliver medication deliver food Mm. like i mean those types of, th- like, there are already robots doing that type of, this type. And it's, you know, it's similar to, like, restaurants. It's just a question of, like... But I, I feel like in hospitals, it's even... There's even maybe more of the HCI problem. So, like, I mean, obviously, patients can be scared and lonely, and, you know, and I it could help having, like, a human deliver that type of stuff. But, I mean, there also, I think, are, like, potentially greater advantages because like a robot like you can ensure a robot is like fully sanitized between like every delivery like very quickly and you know so mm. maybe like opportunities to be more sh- sure there isn't like infection being spread
1: oh yeah actually there's a lot during the pandemic there quite a few robotic company does that right just right right they, they i think there's a lot of chinese company doing that american company doing that you know they they go in the room I sanitize things for you right i put a like, what do you, uh, uh, some some kind of uv light beams on top of mm-hmm. the robot and just yep. go in and sanitize in the room so mm, all right for you guys do you, do you you guys are aware of the 3d's of robotics right
2: dirty dangerous and, and what i forget isn't <laughs> it something if it, it's... okay Hold on,
1: Thing. <laughs>
2: okay, I thought it was repetitive or boring or something like that, yeah, but I can't exactly. think of what word it you it the... start with the d yeah,
1: my
0: dangerous it. and dull, dull yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly, so the th- so starting with dirty, I mean one the robot is called one company is doing like via bot is actually doing like cleanings cleaning like what what that for you. Like garages, like speed, just autonomous sweepers basically on the street, right? So those mm-hmm. companies, yeah. But I guess one company excite me is that I'm scared, excited like about is uh, Dusty Robotics in construction, right? I think they are doing something actually pretty cool. Is I think I think construction domain is I think there's a there's many opportunity for robotics, but for dusty, they actually do. Like they translate, for example, a uh, construction site. They they design something on a on a some kind of two like layouts for the construction, right? And then instead of human like going into the physical environment to draw out like draw draw on the physical lines in a, in a, on the floors, right? They have robot basically print out from getting a two D lay like schematics from the on a designer and they, the robot just draw the layouts for you on a floor. So anyway, so. Mm.
2: Oh, that's interesting. I like, that's a very, so like construction in general, I think there's a lot of stuff that would be super hard to automate, but this mm-hmm. is a nice sub application, right? So they have one, you know, you sell one robot that basically marks on a concrete or wood or, you know, whatever the base is. For mm-hmm. to kind of plan out for people where they need to put stuff. That's yeah. a nice, you know, that's a nice little use case.
1: Yeah. And of course, there's a lot of company working on try to automate those like bulldozers, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those are other, I guess those are a little bit more obvious, right? But the, what Dusty does is a little bit, I think they actually, you know, they probably talk to the customer Figure out what actually what is the challenging, what's and then what's easy for a robot to do, right? So, so that, that's why I like I like to add a D to the the three D robotics, which is dumb, you know. If it's some very dumb task, I maybe this is very similar to doll already, but yeah, mm-hmm. I guess dumb is more like something is very easy for his robot to do, right? That, mm-hmm. You don't need to be very super nice like, sophisticated AI. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's yeah. And unlike driving a bulldozer, there's a lot less safety concerns with it marking a floor.
1: Yeah. And what what do you guys think about security robotics, like patrolling? Boom.
2: Easy. I mean, I don't think the market for them is going to be huge, but that's an Mm. easy win. Because the biggest thing about security is deterrence. Mm. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I've never worked in the security field, but I feel like deterrence is most of what you need in security right Mm. and a robot with cameras all on it streaming live is a a very big deterrent yeah
0: i know i agree i mean Uh. i guess i feel like so what's the difference between well i mean i guess this could be a benefit i guess if you just have like a double robot with like a 360 camera on it or something like I guess, what's the difference between just a robot with a camera versus a camera? Like, I mean, I guess my thinking is a double, like people, I guess, have the, like, okay, you can see a physical thing monitoring you. So it isn't like invasion of privacy or like you're aware that you're being watched more so than mm-hmm. just yeah. like we put cameras everywhere and watch you.
1: Well, I mean, this is, there's a of
0: camera can, can it, it's not fixed, right? It can move around, Right. Right so i mean i i guess is this so i mean there's the patrolling aspect yes but i mean what's the difference between like what's going to make someone pay for a robot with a 360 camera that roams versus like getting three cameras to cover the entire area
1: well good yeah yeah that's right but but i think mad they say it's physical right The deterrence, the camera it might be or maybe sometimes the criminal, they don't see in a camera, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not aware maybe the camera is not there. Uh, And a robot f- is a physical thing, right? If something happened to you, you know, or on bell can ring, right? So, mm-hmm. and it, you design it big, you know, so it's like, yeah. The physical presence, it, I think it gives you more deterrence, right? You say, oh, okay, there's a robot there, you know. robot Robotop, right? So,
2: And I don't think these have to be crazy expensive. Like, I yeah. mean, installing six cam- let's say you own or manage some relatively important building right and you need to keep the riffraff out whatever um you know if you're installing like six cameras around and wiring to them i mean it's probably going to be cheaper than the robot but mm-hmm. i don't think it's going to be that much cheaper because we're talking mm-hmm. about a very simple robot you know just mm-hmm. some wheels it drives around like this is like close to as easy of a robot as you can get uh- so
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I just would say, like, I guess there's part of me that says the physical presence could be more of a deterrence. But at least in the near term, and maybe this would change, particularly if you actually, like, like enforce, like, that, like, destruction of property or something. But are people going to be more likely to just be like, oh, look, it's like a, like, look at this robot roaming around, like, in this random place. Like, I'm going to, like, break it. Like, yeah, you break it, in the, you know, assuming it's
1: connected to some kind of alarm system, right? And mm-hmm. then and then the cop or something, police or security guard can come right away, right?
2: Yeah, yeah I, I assume it start making loud lights and siren noises, you know, when you get close and it's like, hey, get out of here.
1: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. or in the future, you can put an arm on it and, uh, I don't know, <laughs> carry a gun or something, right? No, that, that's fair. It's just, uh, okay. yeah, well but yeah the gun is going to take a few years but a taser um, a taser maybe but um i get well yeah i just don't know like how many bird scooters are ruined, you know per day or something like yeah i mean i guess people, yeah but they so, don't have, yeah they don't know they know they don't have cameras on there right so
2: they're intended to be directly used by people rather this mm. i assume would if anyone who didn't have like the passcode or whatever tried to touch it it would be a big problem
1: mm. exactly Get electric shock, shock or something like that. <laughs> anyway, I think yeah. it would
2: be less violent than she was implying. But... Yeah, no, no, no.
1: Yeah. Again,
2: but... I I did say, I don't think the market for this would be enormous because I think like most places, a camera would be fine is all you need. But I, I could definitely see for some places it's being nice. Yeah. Anything where security is like a more serious thing where like that's a priority.
1: Yeah. I guess, I mean, you could put this night like public parks, right? During the night, and night like, or campers, right? Right. Like for example, home park, right? Maybe not in Atlanta, home park is a very dangerous area next to Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. right? So it's getting nicer now, but
0: you know you can put a robot there, right? So you can roam around, right? Right. No, I mean, I that, that is, I like the idea, and honestly, I would like to see it enacted. It's just more, I do just question about like how they would be, like how the robots yeah. would be received, like by. Mm people it encountered at least initially yeah, yeah i don't
2: i don't know in public spaces i don't think people would like this much this is i am was thinking up in like private areas where you're oh, not yeah. supposed to be there mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't think people appreciate that because i mean most people a lot of people don't appreciate just a camera in public
3: mm-hmm. much
2: less like a roaming robot so yeah which is a bunch of cameras
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah two company working in this domain uh, i found is that nice scope and then the other one is Cobalt Robotics. Actually, Cobalt Robotics is started by a Georgia Tech alumni. He was uh, actually in a PhD program. And then he um, he graduated. I guess he started this company. So it's pretty cool. Did he overlap with us? Uh, No, he overlapped with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think he graduated before you started okay, or something yeah. like that. But yeah. But uh. Yeah, I think he's doing he's doing something more than security now. But I think, yeah. So But that was the initial idea. Security guard
0: as well. Mm. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a good idea. And you're right. The physical may be a better deterrent than the cameras. But it's just sort do. of weighing cost. And like, will they be destroyed? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: it's, so, if it's the sort of place that could have a security guard. Mm-hmm. This, I
2: feel like the place that this might make sense. Cause even if you might still want a security guard around, like, I mean, these things would be a fraction of the cost of paying like a a person's salary or should be a a lot less than one year salary for a person.
0: Sure. I, I, I mean, I agree. I guess it's just if it's a place like that and someone is legitimately trying to like break in and steal something is like a physical robot like more of a deterrent than cameras at that point because that person is literally like disabling cameras like you know like they're going through a process like there is something they want in there where i feel like the type of crime that like those types of robots may deter is like yeah like a criminal like in a like, on the street or in the park, like, you know, the this robot sort of roaming around, and they're not going to act yeah. because they know they're on camera.
1: Yeah. I mean, robot is not really yeah. going to do counter, right? Even even someone really getting into this building right away. I mean, robot as I think, just basically call a human, and then human just come, right? Right. Is that... Yeah.
0: Well, I I, I still... Honestly, probably the best... Or honest or the company that I would see doing a better job of this is that company you talked about a couple of weeks. Century AI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's just like they have a bunch of cameras and they're like basically doing like AI on the images and saying like Mm. this person's not supposed to be here. Like
1: Yeah, yeah. So cool. All right. So last company I want to talk about is called Robust AI. Basically they try to develop uh like instead of, as I think, as we talked about earlier, night like, robot autonomy is very hard, right? So I think they try to what they try to develop is instead of like go for a specific application, they try to develop some kind of autonomy software for I think for all other robotic company, uh, you can use, and then the other company, yeah. So, and actually, robust AI is started by Henry Chris Christ, Christensen, oh, and like Ronnie Brook. Actually, they started together, actually. so oh, damn. Titans. Yeah. GeoGeoTech connection there again.
2: Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, Matt, you, this, this company, potentially, you could apply if you want to go.
2: <laughs> I mean, a lot of the companies you've listed today, I'm going to keep this list around and be like, look at all these places I could work, except for the ones I don't think are a good idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, I mean, another reason i like it because instead of like instead of they try to go into like one so instead of try to get into one industry one vertical they try to do it horizontally right so Mm -hmm. they create one solution that everybody in robotic industry can use i think that's a another way out to thinking about like what business you should start as well right so it's kind of like they're trying
2: so there's a new industry right and most companies are trying to be like the Provide the end products of the for this new industry, like robotic solutions. Well, they're trying to provide to the companies that are providing the solutions, right? They're like, it's like they're being the supplier. Uh, you know, it's like being the person who sells batteries when Tesla blows up electric cars, right? Like you're trying Mm -hmm. to get further up in the pipeline. But in this case, you know. Is that going to work? Do you have any details? I mean, not to get overly technical, but do you have any details about what exactly their AI is doing or how it works? Or, you know, what does this mean to say a general AI that other companies can leverage, right?
1: No. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm assuming
0: they're doing something pretty, I don't know, pretty advanced. So I don't know. Mm. I mean, I want, like, look, I'm looking at their website now. I mean, are they... You know how there's like bids like company like maybe i deloitte might be an example sort of like they have sort of like technical people mm-hmm. and they sort of lend their technical people and like solutions to like yeah, consulting other com- right? yeah it's it's yeah in a way it's consulting it is it's and they that. do implementation as well yeah yeah but i i guess is this company like Maybe designing, uh, like, they have, like, a high, very high-level framework, and then they're more doing, like, a consulting-type role, or...? I don't
1: think they're doing consulting. They probably is, like, like ROS, like, robotic operating system, in a way, right? But they are not the operating system. They are a specific, intelligent, like, autonomy, making decisions, right? So I think those are, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure exactly what they are working on, but they are working on software instead of, working on the robotic physical solution, right? So I
2: wonder if it's kind of like the ROS software library because so Mm -hmm. ROS is the robot operating system. It's really a middleware, but one of the key features of it is like all the libraries people have made that Mm -hmm. use ROS and you can easily grab, right? You know, things Mm -hmm. to already do perception and path planning and other SLAM and other hard tasks, you know, and just sort of use that as like a chunk and say, hey, I got this module. So I'm wondering if they have something similar because a lot of these companies we talked about are probably... Rewriting to solve the same problems, yeah, right? Exactly. How many of them are hand engineering some motion planning systems for the robots to drive around, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Probably a bunch. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. So maybe they're trying. So maybe this company is trying to be like, okay, companies aren't going to use Ross Open source code It's not up to high enough level. You know, you don't have guarantees yeah. or whatever. Maybe they're like, we're going to make a really high quality set of you know, general solutions. And then, especially if they're getting paid because like a service, they could help you tune that. Like, here's a generic motion planning framework. Mm-hmm. Here's how we'll help you teach you how you tune it for your specific problem, but you don't have to rewrite everything from scratch.
1: Yeah. And as it's on a the website, they say, like developing the first industrial grade cognitive engine, right? Mm. They call it a like, common sense AI, right? So basically, the high-level decision-making, right? For example, autonomous cars, you know, when they see a situation turning left or right, those decisions, I think these these are the kind of a software, they, I mean, AI mm. they want to create that you can just plug it into your robot, you know, use it, making those high-level decisions, right? And lower-level mm. decisions are probably taken care of by other lower-level software, right? So...
2: The common sense, so to be fair, everything I just said a moment ago was speculation because I'm just trying to think of how, what would make sense. But common sense AI sounds like a marketing buzz term with no <laughs> real meaning. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be of honest. Course. Of course that's fine. Website, they, right? yeah. yeah, they need their marketing. But yeah, I don't think you can just, like I don't think you can just plug and play and it'll be like, oh, whether a car needs to turn left and right, right? Like that's not the sort of problem you can just have like generically solved
1: gotcha 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 anyway so the other company that actually i found it interesting is called apply ai i mean sorry it's M- apply intuition so what they do is they actually instead of creating ai software they actually create like simulation like for autonomous cars right so for example in the, a few years ago self-driving had been like it was exploding and then each company when they st- Start and they have to create their own simulations environment to simulate, you know, different situations, training the cars to drive. And this company just like, okay, again, instead of taking, instead of starting one vertical, they actually apply doing a simulation so that every single company in that industry can use, right? So,
2: yeah. No, this is a, I mean, I'm kind of repeating myself now, but I think. As a as the robotics industry sort of expands outside of its original factory arm robot kind of origins, there's a huge amount of repeated work being done, including yeah. creating simulations.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Companies that can provide a high quality, you know, licensed product with standards uh, for other companies to use—that's those yeah. are probably good ideas.
1: So I think that's that's it for me. And should. Should we do we need to talk about sex robots?
2: (laughs) I don't feel like talking about that today (laughs) first. Let's save that for another day.
1: That's that's what I thought too. So (laughs)
2: either
1: Uh, way. Anyway. So anything else you guys think I should talk about? I think
2: Oh, I think I think you did a really good job finding all these companies. Yeah.
1: Oh, and that's because that's I was applying for jobs, so I was looking for. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I have nice collection of robots, businesses, and companies, and then why don't I just talk about it, right? So, uh, yeah.
2: Ooh, so what? So are we gonna do what we did before? It's pick our favorites. What's gonna no, be the most successful?
1: Actually, no. Actually, I want to the remaining few minutes. I want to talk about. I want to ask you like, what? Who is better suited to innovate in robotics? maybe like someone like with an expertise in robotics, like you, you know, that like you like study robotics, have a robotic PhD, or maybe someone's outside robotic, maybe it could be an artist, a business person, or someone, musician, I don't know. What, what do you think? Like who's the better suited to innovate in robotics? Like experts or, you know, non-experts?
0: Opinion question. Well, I would say... The best is, like, someone who, like, a team, right? Someone who has expertise in an industry where there is a problem robots are all suited for, and then someone Mm -hmm. who can actually deliver that solution. (laughs) So you're saying the experts? I guess if the experts... Well, I mean, I'm saying, like, the expert needs to know the problem. So if they have Mm -hmm. someone who can tell them the problem, sure. Okay, what about you, Matt?
2: I mean, I don't want to be too predictable but i'm gonna have to say the expert um so robotics right now like they're they're an advanced tool Mm -hmm. that has can do some things well but also has a lot of limitations this is how i'd frame this question Mm -hmm. think about it so like i think experts are the ones who can can have the background to know what can and cannot be done easily to potentially fit that in into a problem right so like it's kind of like saying like who is the best to build like a very large wooden structure, like the artist Mm -hmm. or, you know, the craftsman who works with wood, right? Slash Mm -hmm. engineer or something. And like the artist might have a good idea on what might look nice, but like figuring out how to make a large structure that Mm -hmm. supports itself, you know, you need some knowledge about the materials and how they work, you know, how you connect them and things like that, right? So that's the background knowledge you need to do to design something that'll actually hold itself up. Mm -hmm. so the expert although but obviously like mike said you i mean to really be productive you have to be involved with you need to be involved in working with someone who knows the problem space like what you want to do it's like the other piece of the puzzle but i don't think you can get around really having an expert in the area to Mm -hmm. figure out how and what you can solve
1: yeah yeah i got you yeah i'll say Sometimes I guess depends how you define innovation sometimes I feel like experts in specific area can be might be you know sometimes if you get too much into one area, you might be getting a ton of vision right and you even though yeah you are improving the technology like robotic technology you but the, te- the, the what you are working on is a uh, incremental change right you're not you are focusing on the form in a way but you're not changing the function of something right you mm-hmm. Maybe you are you are you are just making better better incrementally, but you are not doing a dramatic change of uh, maybe some something that someone need someone need to be outside of the robot to see, right? So for example, like one uh, one example a lot of people like to give is like uh, rolling rolling bags, right? Like those like luggage put the wheels on the back. Like we have the we have the wheel for two thousand years in. 2,000 years, right, and we have bags for 2,000 years, as, as long as people are carrying stuff around, but only in like recently like 1970 people, someone put those two and two together, right you you change, even though the bags have been, and the wheel had both improving over time but actually the innovation of putting those two together was, you know was innovating in a way right, so you change the function instead of just improving the bag, right, over time yeah,
2: but to push back against that slightly. Yeah. I mean, rolling luggage is great for things like airports, which are relatively modern. Gotcha. You know, environments. Like I don't use a rolling bag to walk around the cities. Like people mm-hmm. have been walking around cities for 2000 years and I see almost no one use rolling bags for that. So I, I'm not saying you're entirely wrong, but I feel like that wasn't like just people were sleeping on this great invention in the year 1200, this just wasn't yeah. practical.
1: <laughs> Maybe I was just giving a bad example.
2: Yeah, so. fair <laughs> enough. Sorry. not to. Be, I'm, I might be a little nitpicky here.
1: I've, no, you're <laughs> good. You're good. You're good. That's why, anyway, that's, that was totally opinion question. It's not, I don't think there's a right and wrong answer. I think the main point is to sometimes to, instead of, sometimes need to, you know, instead of focusing one area, basically we need to be more multidisciplinary, which is kind of robotic is kind of inherent is anyway. So,
2: What's interesting is, I think, related to this, so I think there's two types of people in research. There's the tool makers and the tool users. Hmm. Um, And I would actually say the most researchers, most papers are not really showing innovative new creations. Like, they're not making something new. They're Hmm. using something in a different way. So, like, Hmm. there's been anyone who's within AI uh, knows there's been, like, a deep learning boom for several years now maybe more than several years. I'm trying to remember when it started. But like, so there's been tons and tons of paper on deep learning, which are a type of neural networks um, being applied to different problems. And the vast majority of them, they're not really making any sort of new insights into fundamentally how deep learning works or how to develop it. They're like, well, here's how you can use deep learning for this. And I would say like, I mean, that's literally you know, showing application. These are people like trying to figure out all the different ways they could use this tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, point is when you talk about experts being too narrow in terms of incrementally developing, I actually think that's a narrow, like that's a minority of researchers who are like f- trying to fundamentally improve the technology versus using it. So I think there's a lot of researchers who are well positioned to say, you know, what could we solve with this? Because that's literally what they do. They just try to apply things to different mm-hmm. areas and see if they can make it work, if they can make it fit
1: hmm so which one do you think is is more important tool makers or two
2: users (laughs) uh i mean they're both important Hmm. i would say the tool makers have a harder job Uh, it's much easier to learn how the stuff works from someone else and apply it and i mean that's not necessarily easy right these are still people who are very trained spend a lot of time learning about them but coming up with the fundamental tools is harder And probably gets us farther. So I'd say the tool makers are more important. All
0: right, all right. That's good. Last word from Mike? No, I mean, I was just thinking about it. I mean, I I don't know that, like, how much, like, people who make tools, I I guess I don't, I guess it depends on the area and the tool. But, like, sometimes I don't know how much, like, pure research goes into that as much as just, like, I feel like the job is maybe a little bit more formal like you know it's more uh, like it's more about like form like formalizing like the measurements of an instrument or something and showing like that the instrument will perform at a certain level you know all of the time and so i don't like so i i think it's more yeah like i say i think it's more more about formalizing the process than like you know i I think you're
2: taking tool very literal. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. i was thinking tools like deep neural networks is a tool you can use right like, sure sure sure. i mean uh... yeah anyway
1: <laughs> anyway that's good i think that's good for today um let's take off take us off life support
0: okay we are no longer live junto flop